You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is David Martin. I am the group's pastor here at uh, Calvary, and uh, I am excited to talk about, just for a moment, as Jason so aptly uh, talked about in the intro video, uh, about our groups that are coming up in January, starting on January 8th this year. And uh, we are diversifying in what we're doing. We're working on connect groups that uh, meet in homes. Most of them will meet in homes. And uh, we'll have a variety of different, we have a mom's group. We have uh, groups that talk about different books or books of the scripture. And uh, some are just get-togethers just to talk about uh, life issues. And, and some of them are just have fun. So we have that coming up, the catalyst groups. We're going to dive deeper in our relationship with God. How many know that sometimes relationships can hit walls, and the only way to get over those walls is to work at it? Um, anything that's worth having is worth working at, and we're looking at those coming up, the catalyst groups. Uh, three primary areas that we're going to talk about, uh, and three of us staff pastors are going to teach those. One is in your uh, growing in your relationship with God and understanding the scriptures and w- what does prayer look like. For some people, you know, it, prayer just seems easy. For others who really haven't uh, prayed much in their life. It's like, how do I do this? How do I go about it? And so we want to walk you through that and, and grow together. And it's going to be far less of a lecture session and more of a time where you get to ask questions. We can sit down and have a conversation about that. Uh, the second one is going to be apologetics and sharing your faith. Um, for those of you uh, like Scott and myself, uh, you would never believe I'm an introvert, but I am. And uh, sharing your faith is intimidating. For those of you who are out there, you can have a conversation with a wall. You know, (laughs) I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Sometimes I'm afraid to talk to myself, you know. So uh, it's it's those kinds of things. And so uh, Pastor Dave is going to be walking you through uh, some apologetics and sharing your faith with people. He's going to do a great job with that. And Pastor Nick is going to be teaching um, some transformative parts of faith. If you struggled with something for a long time and want to see be set free from that, uh, Pastor Nick's going to be walking through that. And, then, and would you continue to pray for Pastor Nick and his family and Sharon uh, during this challenging time? Part of the reason that we are uh, preaching this, this uh, that I've preached a couple of weeks and Pastor Lance and Pastor Dave are going to preach is we're trying to give Pastor Nick and his family a chance to recover. Um, when Pastor Paul passed away so suddenly, um, it, it rocked their world, and truthfully, I believe it rocked the church as well. Many of us are still trying to process this and understand. And so when we look at the Christmas season, sometimes things can be challenging, as, as Scott shared this morning, and some of you have been through that. Um, Christmas, in many ways, is a time for great joy, but it's also um, some challenging times as well. So, and, and the other group that I didn't mention is the care groups, and we're going to have Financial Peace University and other ones that um, will help people through the issues of life. Anybody in the room got issues? <laughs> look at that. Look at that. A couple of you got issues. That's awesome. Those that didn't raise your hand, you got some issues too. Come on now. <laughs> and look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. <laughs> there you go. You're in good company this morning. Last week, I had the chance to share of where Christmas began, 
and uh, the whole concept and the idea of where it is. And what we have as Christmas in our American culture today is very different from where it began. But Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone, because he loved us more than we can even grasp or understand. When somebody says Merry Christmas to you, there are certain emotional responses, um, a variety of things. One of the things that I love about Christmas, I have four children, three of them are um, in their 20s, and one is getting ready to graduate high school, last one, yes, <laughs> and, uh, but even, at the, even as at their age, one of my favorite things to do is to just kind of listen to them throughout the year and find something that I know that they would enjoy, that they wouldn't expect, and sometimes to wrap it in a package that is much bigger than what the actual gift is, if you know what I mean. Love the element of surprise. Love buying stuff that is unexpected. And the joy of that. And I think as parents, when you have kids, one of the greatest things is not what they get you. You, you know, I'm at the age where I really don't care if I get a gift, but I love to see the joy on my kids' faces. And maybe some of you kids are like that. If you get something, who cares? But when you see your kid open something and the joy that lights up their face, that's, that's so powerful. And yet for others, Christmas is a time of maybe loneliness. Uh, they've lost a loved one or, um, you know, we live in a, in a very broken world and people come from, uh, have some broken families and it can be a time of, boy, I can't wait till this season is over. And I've met any number of folks like that. So Christmas can elicit all of those. And I think one of the things that can help us to go through the Christmas season, whether it is a season of joy for us or if it's a season of challenge for us is to focus on the reason it began in the first place and, and why Jesus uh, came. For many, Christmas means so many different things. Um, you know, special gifts. I love thinking back of gifts. I was the discoverer of gifts as a child, and so my parents thought they were very clever. They were not as clever as their son, their precocious son, their precocious introvert son. So we had a big blue Chevy Greenbrier station wagon where the rear window went down. Anybody remember riding those with the window down? I survived carbon monoxide. <clears throat> but before we had to use seat belts all the time, I survived that too. Um, I w on the way home from church, our church was 20 miles from our house. We drove a long way to church in an eight-cylinder station wagon. I remember laying down in the back of the the station wagon with the window down, breathing in the fumes. And uh, my eye went through the crack where the spare tire was. And I noticed, Tom, that there was no spare tire. But there was a beautiful slot racing track that was in the spare tire well. So it, it happened to be a warm Sunday in December I grew up in Maryland, in Harford County, Maryland, and so I feigned sleep after my parents went into the house and left me out there because it was warm enough for me to continue sleeping in the back of the car, so they thought. And as they went in and I heard the click of the door, I really got both eyes down and was trying to see what it was. And 
the discoverer of gifts. And so on Christmas morning, I had to act really surprised that I got the gift that I already saw. Nobody ever did that here, did you? Look at, look at the holy look on your faces. You never, <laughs> you, you never tried to discover the gifts. I, I remember that Christmas, and, I, and I, I enjoyed the gift and was very surprised. Oh, what would I always wanted? And so sometimes you can think of Christmas and think back of some of those, those kind of gifts and, and uh, you know, how many remember the Cabbage Patch style craze? <laughs> yeah, my sister got the uh, Kmart equivalent and wasn't happy. So uh, those are memories that stick in my mind as well. But we want to talk a little bit this morning about what Christmas means. I don't know what this season means to you. I don't know what emotions it produces, but I want to talk to you about meaning. We talked where last week. We want to talk about why this week and what was the purpose? What does it mean for us today? The meaning of Christmas can really be tied up in a word, and not really a word, but the word. At the beginning of John's gospel, he takes a very different approach. If you look in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John takes a different approach than everybody else. Matthew explains the Jewish genealogy, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, uh, you know, to us, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. But in the Jewish culture, that was incredibly important to know your family lineage. It seems like it's coming back today with the 23andMe and all that. Know where it came from. In the Jewish culture, that was absolutely critical to know your lineage. And that's how... Uh, Matthew starts out his gospel. Mark just skips the whole story, jumps right into Jesus' ministry at age 30. He didn't think that was that important. Luke shares the genealogy of Jesus going all the way back to Adam and Eve and focuses more on Mary. John doesn't really look at Jesus' birth at all, but he opens his gospel in a completely and totally different way. He says this, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We read here, he's saying Jesus always was. In the beginning was the Word. Now, can I just delve into a little bit of word study here for a minute? I promise not to bore you. But we jump into this. In the beginning, in the Greek language, in the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. And there are some scholars that have said that Logos is just the written word. But in the Greek culture, the word Logos meant order, it meant understanding, it meant um, reasoning and logic, all came from the Logos. So when Jesus said, when John wrote this about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, he was saying, in the beginning, God was, and he is the one who brought order, and he is the one who brought understanding, and he is the one who brought reason to everything. Haven't we said many times he is the reason for the season? So in the beginning, God was. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you look at Genesis and it says, the earth was without form and void. It was chaos. And here came the word, the logos, and he brought order out of chaos. 
I feel like preaching this morning. I'm an old-time Pentecostal preacher. Some of you walking through some chaos right now. Come on, church. Some of you going through some stuff that you never planned on. Can I tell you the Logos wants to come into your situation, come into your life, and bring order to your chaos today? When you feel so out of control and things are swirling around like planets out of orbits, the Logos can come in and speak to your situation and say, I bring order and order out of chaos. I've been reason and understanding to a place where you can't even think straight. Can somebody say amen? amen. Otherwise, I'm going to have to buy my own tape after the service. <laughs> I find it interesting that while we understand the word logos in, in a Christian sense, I want to talk just a second about the secular sense. John was writing really to Christian people, but in the secular sense, when he wrote those words, he said to the secular culture as well, to the Greek culture, this one who came can bring order to your mess too. Because it's great to shout in here, but isn't it, didn't Jesus, Jesus didn't come so we could have a beautiful set here on the stage. He came because there's people out there who are going through literal hell and need a savior. And you meet them all the time. That's why he came. He came to bring his word to your life. He came to bring order to your life. He came to bring hope. He came to bring joy. He came to speak his word himself into your life. I love the other part of that story that John doesn't really talk about, but we have to go into the secular culture again. If you know the Christmas story at all and you've heard any of the Christmas songs, you hear the three wise men. Everybody knows about the three wise men. But if you look in the culture, those three wise men, we use that term, but they were really sorcerers. They were called magi. They were secular. They looked at the stars. They were astrologers. And they looked at the stars, and somehow in looking at the creation of God, they saw a message. And the message said, you've got to go to this place. And they followed that. And I find it absolutely fascinating. We, we tell the story and have kids dramas about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How fascinating is it that the three magi, the three secular, the three magicians, the three sorcerers who came from a far country to see this Savior, they saw this sign in the heavens and say, we've got to go there. They brought three things that were prophetic about who Jesus was. The gold for his divinity. The myrrh for his coming death. And the frankincense. I find it fascinating that even in the birth of Christ, that he was ever the evangelist, to seek and to save that which was lost. We don't know what happened to the Magi. We don't know if they went back and tell the story. I would love to see that story. I wonder if they went back to their country and said, we have met this one, this baby who was born and, and laid in, in a trough because there was no place for him. 
and he is the savior of the world. I wonder what happened in their country when they went back and told that story. For you and me this morning, when we think about Christmas, you know, life's easy when everything's running smooth. When you just got a promotion at work, and you just got a raise, maybe you just bought a house, maybe you bought your first new car. Man, it's, life's easy when stuff is going your way. But if you've lived any length of time, you know, stuff gets out of order. Does it not? You know, like your kid's room. You know, if evolution were true, you could throw a grenade in your kid's room and it would organize itself, but <laughs> how many know that doesn't happen? The life gets out of order. Things don't go as planned. Think about the birth of Christ, the king of all the universe. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Think about his birth, and he should have been born in a castle. He should have been laid in a golden crib. The king of the universe, the creator of the world, should have. And yet he was laid in a feeding trough because there was no place for him. But the beauty of that story is this, that if it had been born in a castle, he couldn't have related to the one on the street. <laughs> he came in the lowest dregs of society. Shepherds were highly disregarded in that culture. They were the lowest of the low. They stunk they lived with the sheep, and they were not people you wanted to hang out with because if you hung out with them, you smelled bad. Secondhand sheep smell. And that's where Jesus came. He came to the smelly. <laughs> he came to the bottom of the bottom so he could pull us all up. Amen? You know, sometimes in all that goes on, we can get so wrapped up in ourselves, we can miss the bigger picture of the season. I hate Christmas shopping. I hate being run into by shopping carts in my ankles. I hate being pushed and shoved. I'm an introvert. Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't touch me. I had my hand on that first. I can't stand it. And it isn't it interesting that we can get so caught up in all of, I've got to get the gifts, I've got to get to the store, I've got to get this. Where else but in our country can we be thankful one day and half kill each other in the store the next day to get a good deal? Come on. And they marked it up before they marked it down anyway. Are you with me? We can get lost in the buying and the sales and the selling. And wait a minute, wait a minute. We're followers of Christ, friend. 
We are followers of Christ, and the priority of our life and the priority of our existence should be to glorify God. All the rest is a byproduct. I don't buy my family stuff because it's just Christmas. I buy them because I love them and try to show them the example of Jesus came not so people could give to him, but he came to give. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 20, Verse 28, if the band could come at this time. Matthew 20, 28 says this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come. He was the king of the universe. Let's process this for a minute. He didn't come so people could do for him. Hey, I'm Jesus. Hey, I was in the beginning. I'm the Logos. You know, so maybe you should pick me up and carry me through the streets. Maybe you should go buy me a burger. Maybe you should do for me because do you know who I am? (laughs) My father is God, and I and my father are one. And don't you think you should do for me? No, I, I, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And he came to be that example, did he not? I don't serve God because I win brownie points. I didn't become a preacher because I win brownie points with God. I became a preacher because I said, God, I just want to serve. I just want to serve. Whether it's standing on a platform and preaching your word or getting a toilet brush and cleaning the toilets at the church, just let me serve. Let me give. I don't give gifts because I have to. I give because I want to. Isn't that why Jesus came? He didn't didn't have to, but he chose to. And listen, if you zoom all the way forward to the cross, he says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. This morning as we're talking about Christmas and why it began, the bottom line of why we have all of this is because God sent his only son because he loved you more than you can grasp, more than you can wrap your head around. He loves you when you're right, as the song says, and he loves you when you get it all wrong. He loves you when you're doing good, and he loves you when you royally screw things up. Anybody ever screwed anything up? Three of us. I'm in the wrong church this morning. I was supposed to preach this down the street, apparently. Anybody ever screw things up? Put them up high. Whoa, there we go. There we go. And guess what? He still loves you. I'm looking around, I see some of you that I know have kids. You don't love your kids because you have to. <sighs> My daughter's sitting over here. I don't want to embarrass her, but. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud, I got to love my daughter today. <sighs> oh, dear Jesus, I've got to love her. I don't love her because I have to, because I'm her dad. 
I love her because I want to. Because she means the world to me. And I would do anything for that little girl. More than she can grasp. I would do anything for her. To see her succeed in life. To grow. To love Jesus with all of her heart. And that, my friends, is the kind of love that God has for us. When we get things exactly right and when we mess up royally, He loves us in spite of ourselves. Excuse me if I have tears running down my face, but when I understand the love of God for me, when I have messed up, when I have not gotten it right, and He still loves me, not based on my performance, not based on if I'm good or not, but based on who He is. Who He is. He is a Logos Word. He came to bring order to this life. He came to bring order to your life. He came to bring mercy and grace and goodness and Himself to you. And He said, whatever I can do for you, I want to serve you today. And a God like that, I can't help but want to serve. He didn't come for Himself. He came for you. He came for the person that just cut you off in traffic on the way to church. He came for the lady that keeps running the shopping cart into your ankles. He came for the nasty cashier that's had a rough day that you didn't even think about, that's been bawled out by customers. Oh, shout now, church. It's getting quiet up in here. He came for that relative of yours that you'll be glad when they walk out the door after Christmas. He came for us all. I want to leave you with a challenge today. Because a lot of times we can come to church, I'm just a practical guy. We can come to church and we can hear a message and say, whoo-hoo, that charged me up, and walk out and do nothing with it. I've been in church since I was three. I've walked out on a lot of sermons and not done anything with it. I'm far too practical to let that happen. Here's your challenge. Find somebody that you can serve. Not so you can post it on Facebook so the whole world would know, because if you do, you've got your reward. Boy, it got quiet in here, Michael. Come on. You don't have to post it out there so everybody knows. Find somebody you can serve. Maybe it's a neighbor down the street. We had an elderly neighbor when I was a pastor. We had an elderly neighbor. They were from England. And I saw her out there trying to shovel her walk one Sunday. I, I, my boys were living at home at the time, and I, it was cold outside, so I sent them out to shovel. <laughs> And I did my good deed by doing that. That <laughs> many times I went down there with him. The idea is, we didn't do it. She would bring us cookies up. I said, you don't need to do that. We're doing it because we care about you. Find somebody to serve. Find somebody to give to. There's people this time of year... don't have much. 
of the most moving commercials that I have seen is a mom who's working and the son goes out and sells his PlayStation, folds up the laundry and decorates the Christmas tree. And she walks in and sees that and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders like I, I gave what I could, mom. How moving is that? It's not in the gift. It's in the heart. Push that button on that, Michael. That's my phone. <laughs> I'm preaching now, Lord. I'm preaching. Not time to call me. You'd think the preacher turned his cell phone off, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, boy, how do I land this plane now? <laughs> Circle in the airport. Find someone you can serve, someone you can give to, someone you can show the love of God to. Find somebody. Find somebody. Find somebody. Preferably outside the church. Find somebody in your neighborhood. Find somebody at the store. Find somebody that's just, you see a cashier looks frazzled. Say, you having a bad day? They say, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. That all right? Not in a line because you got 12 people behind me. But as I walk out, I'm going to pray for you. Is that okay? Find somebody you can minister to. Find somebody. Introvert or not. You extroverts, you got this. You got somebody in mind. You introverts, you're scared to death. It's all good. People don't bite. Well, some people do, but. Here's a great, here's a great one. In a couple of weeks, I don't remember the exact date. Somebody can help me with this, but we're going caroling in a couple of weeks, and I believe we're going to some local nursing homes. When is it? Wednesday. Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm a former hospice chaplain, so I went to a lot of nursing homes. There's a lot of these folks, these older folks in nursing homes that are left there by their families, essentially abandoned to the system. And you just going in and singing and maybe just having a conversation with one of these older folks could totally make their Christmas. I've seen dozens of them. Maybe they have dementia and they don't even know who their family is. It doesn't mean they don't need love. Come on. Great opportunity. Wednesday, is that right? Wednesday this week. I'm sure there's information out in the lobby. We can find out about that. Great opportunity. Even if you can't sing, you can be there just to encourage somebody. Look for those opportunities this season. That's why he came, to bring order to your chaos, to bring peace and hope and love and joy. All this other stuff that we do is just kind of a extra. Let's go the extra mile for somebody else this morning. Can we? I'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for coming. Thank you that you love us beyond what we can grasp or understand. And I pray, God, as we go into this season, in just a few weeks as we celebrate Christmas, I pray, Father, that you will put somebody in our path that we can serve, that we can encourage, that we can speak an encouraging word to, that we can minister to as you have so often ministered to us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 